Welcome to the call-up. This is Annika. Oh, what did I, why did I say that? This is Annika? That doesn't make any sense. It is uh, Annika, though. It is. Yeah, what it do is. you... Okay. Welcome to the call-up. It's October 11th. I'm here with Maria and Kelsey. Hi. Hey. <laughs> they just pointed at each other in a weird way. Like and finger Penny. guns. Do not forget that Penny's here. Penny is also here snoozing. It's been almost three weeks since we uh, convened the pod. It's been, uh, it feels like about two years. It does feel like two years. Really happy reunion. The weather has changed. It's officially fall. The season is underway. Maria just won a UCI race. That is true. We're not going to say that every time. <laughs> you don't know that? I do. <laughs> but yeah, a lot is a lot. Things have gotten underway. So, so what's happened since? Uh, we've had the Trek CX Cup. We've had Jingle Cross. We've had uh, the Irish uh, Bioracer International uh, Cycle Cross Race. We've had uh, an interview with Sophie de Boer, which we're going to uh, release as a separate episode. Uh, so look out for that. And then uh, what else? Dan Ryan Woods has happened, although none of us were there, but we have. Some things to A lot happen. of internet things. A lot of internet that we It's a very internet-based event. <laughs> and you know, on that subject, we're introducing a new uh, segment to this podcast called Comment of the Week. Just calling out, you know, some of the best and the worst things we've seen on the internet related to Cyclocross as well. So, Dan, more than that in Dan Ryan Is it going to be selected from the Tricross Cup comments section only? You know, quite frankly, I took a look at that today and every single comment was... I'm so happy that we're part of this wonderful community. God. Nothing. Give me a dig. Give me some like. Give me the drama. There was a little drama on it. Some guy, some Zeno, someone was like, what do you mean? Different courses. And then someone had to explain that the women had raced a different course. But we will talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, so yeah. Then... I expected that to kick off, but it didn't. That's Penny. Penny is objecting to... Penny has feelings about this. <laughs> She's not amused. So we should start at the beginning. Trek. Oh, let me go back in my mind palace all the way back <laughs> to Trek. Your mind palace? <laughs> How have I never heard what you say that? that? Is that a, is that a your, thing? A larkinism? Just a, no, it's from... Uh, what's the name? Uh, Sherlock. He goes to his mind palace when he needs to concentrate on something. Yeah. And figure something out. Okay. I don't know. We're Americans? Yeah, I don't know. Sherlock Holmes is That hasn't BBC made it across show. the It's on the Netflix. <laughs> we haven't seen that over here. We don't need your high-minded intellectual <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's definitely the neither, neither high-minded nor intellectual <laughs> nor TV show. different to me. <laughs> it's not even a... Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch is a... That's all I know. What do you think about Benedict Cumberbatch? Uh, oh... He's uh, weirdly attractive. I don't know. Or not. Yeah. I don't know. He has a big face. A big face. And in some, some cases it looks attractive. He's just, he seems like a really tall guy. I don't know if he is. Uh, should we look him up right now? All right, back to Trek. <laughs> Waterloo, Wisconsin. Very hot weekend. Wait, no, it was reasonable, wasn't it? I thought it was like a zillion I thought it was 80. It, was, it wasn't the week like the year before. Okay, we're, everything must be uh, clarified in context to the 2017 trek, which was uh, basically held on the face of the sun. So 
in that case, in a swamp. I, to me, it was much more reasonable. Yes. Hear you on that. But it's still a pretty pretty warm day compared to the weather that came weekends after that. Yeah, that's true. Um, How did three flyovers. Three flyovers. I thought it was really good. I thought the course was really fun. Uh, uh, it was quite hard. Like, Friday's race was... Uh, I'm actually having trouble going back that far in my mind. <laughs> Do you remember much about the World Cup on Sunday? Uh, I remember that, so for me, the World Cup went pretty well. I had a really good race, but they absolutely, Marianne Voss and Ellen Noble absolutely smashed it. And, uh, I was like, I tweeted this, but I was like, I can't wait to go watch, like, this is my thought on the start line. I was like, I can't wait to watch this race later. Uh, which I truly believed at the time. And then I went back and watched it, and I'll be honest, I... It moved me to tears in the way where I felt really depressed about myself. Really? Yes, really. I like thought that it would be really good to watch it, and then I watched it, and I was like, "Man, they were so good!" Like it was depressing. <laughs> there are two people who have been racing all. No, no, summer. no. I mean, not really. Like I'm not like depressed about my performance. Yeah, like yeah. I had a good race. Like it was a good. Like I've. I'm not like. It's just like amazing how strong they were, and then it just was like overwhelming for me to watch that race and then see how strong they were and like every section how they crushed it and then I was like it was making me feel sad inside which was really sad but I got over it because all this stuff happened since but it was a really not good point for me to watch that race back even though it was a really awesome race and I really like respect both of them like I mean it's insane this is like this is the paranoia of being like an athlete at trying to be at that level yeah it's like Wow, you really get your eyes opened. <laughs> right. That's when you have to turn the shades down on your mind palace and just... <laughs> That's when you that. draw the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it wasn't a good race like to watch. It was amazing. But they just looked so strong oh. that it made me feel awful about myself. It, well, if you're, if you're saying, birth. like, I had a good race, um, I, I went, went really hard. hard. Yeah. Like, you, you did the best you possibly yeah. could. Yeah, that's the depressing part. And then you watched that battle. Yeah. And it's... And then they never slowed down. Right. But my god, like what an amazing race to watch. It was amazing. One of the more exciting races. Yeah. You know, it I saw an interview rain. with Ellen Noble after Charm City this past weekend. Cause she won both days. Yeah. And she was saying something really interesting about how I don't know if you guys saw it, Megalie Rochette was second when it was kind of bad. Yes, I saw that yeah. the first day. And she was like, Yeah, it's been a real adjustment this year to race against Megalie because she and I have very similar strengths, very similar gaps. But it's a different type of racing for me and it helps me grow because in the case of racing against boss and at Trek, you know, I need to learn how to wait. I need to learn how to race a very tactical race because it will pay off in those types of situations. Cause at Trek, she, you know, she was just going absolutely ham balls to the yeah. wall the whole time. Yeah. Clearly because she was trying to stay with boss. Yeah. And so at term city, it was more about thinking about strategically about when she was going to attack or when yeah. she was, she just, she was but yeah, I think it, I think the difference was too was like it, Ellen wasn't even she led the whole time. Yep. Like in the in the race I watched I think it was a Crosshairs television yep. uh, recap and Ellen just sat on Magalie's wheel the entire time the whole time. Yeah. Which is the opposite like I think Ellen felt the pressure to like lead the race and then uh be in front the whole time and like even when she crashed and like Voss took the lead uh, during the, like, the, f you know, sec to last lap or whatever, you know, Ellen came back to the front immediately yeah, as soon did. as she got back on the, on the gas. 
did you guys read anything about they were exchanging words i'm sure it was just like you mean after uh just when like throughout the laps yeah about trading off like you can see them talk to each other that they were working together like i was curious if there were any interviews afterwards i didn't see anything that Talk, they talked about what they were yeah what i think ellen said that she was worried about people coming back on them hmm. and that she did want to keep pressing the pace which i think was something that had happened before with ellen like when she was racing against Anne-Marie worst at worlds i feel like she took the lead a lot in that race too and then when Anne-Marie made her move she was like i'm happy with second or whatever and i feel like that maybe happened at trek as well hmm. because there was that point in the downhill there was <clears throat> it was right before the like switchback before the uphill and Bosch just went to the front and there was nothing I mean maybe Ellen was just like totally toast by that point because she had led the entire time but it was certainly a fucking hum, humdinger <laughs> <laughs> is that a term that you understand now <laughs> I'm American no, um, I don't um, and there were times when it got down to 10 9 or 10 seconds who you was know? chasing in third? Oh, uh, Evie was there. Oh, and, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, Who well, I can't Nash. remember. Nash. 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 Yeah. And there was somebody else, and then they fell. Oh, Katie Compton got, rolled her. Too good. And then yeah. broke a chain. Yeah. Apparently. But that was, like, the second or third lap. That was pretty mm-hmm. early on. How were the crowds? How was the environment? Good. It was always. good. I think they made a lot of improvements. Uh, like, because they have the three flyovers now. Um, it was easier to get around the course, mm-hmm. um, and there was a big crowd. You can see the photos from the start finish when they, um, when the winners are coming through, and it, there is a huge crowd. It is challenging on that course to like be able to see everything and get over to the other side in order, or in order to um, see the downhills and the crazy parts that are on the backside. But I think they made a good job of hyping up the secret bars that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, Which it has its own label, like labeled beer now. Yes, legit enterprise. You made it to the race, right? Or you didn't? No. Oh, right. Yeah, a lot of shotguns. Yeah, it was really good. It was a really good positive vibe, and I actually was totally satisfied with my race when I got done. But it was really just watching the race back that made me feel like, just for like, twelve hours, I felt like really like shit. Well, it's like the, it's like the paradox of being so close. You yeah. know, like you're in that race. Yeah. And I'm sure just then going back and watching it feels somehow weirdly further away. Well, I the other thing, the other factor for me was that um so I thought that we had uh so on Friday I made the lead lap of the C2 race, which was really good and I felt really good. I got I think 30th place and I think Sydney Gutierrez was in 31st and then like Abby Striegel was maybe one spot in front of me, which is a really good place for me to be. Uh, considering all the people who were there. But I thought, I was like, I got pulled with two to go, I thought, and I thought we had six laps, or seven laps. I thought we had done an extra lap, whatever it was. And so I was like, oh, man, if we had gone one lap shorter, then it might have been different. But then I watched the race back, and then I realized that uh, it was six laps, and I got pulled maybe with one to go or maybe two to go or whatever it was, and I was like, oh, man, fuck. (laughs) But it's okay. I mean, like, that's part of the, like, sure. it's good that they're that good. Like, I have a full-time job. I'm a hobby, hobby cyclist. Uh, Mariana Voss is a full-time hobby cyclist. But, uh, and they're, like, that's it. Mariana Voss is the best cyclist who's ever been. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by so close. Yeah, but. Right. 
so far at the same yeah. time. <laughs> the chasm, the chasm is even deeper than was previously thought, <laughs> which is good. And then I was like, peace out. Never racing against you guys again. I'm going to Ireland. Fuck y'all. Win this shit. <laughs> so this is going to be a question. Is like going to Ireland. Like you were there for your brother's wedding. Yes. So you had other things going on. But yes. In your, where was your mind at when you went into that race? So I would, uh, I was, I felt really relaxed. So I felt like really happy because I had been home for 10 days and I had like done a lot of, I was like, I got there on Thursday, did a ride, had my brother's wedding on Saturday, and then started riding again on Monday, and started, I did like three or four days training over the course of the week. I did like a cross practice on Friday, and like, so I felt like I had like already had a really good week, and like, I was hanging out with my parents, went for drinks, you know, it was really nice, and then uh, I went to the race, and it was like, you know, there's no pressure, there's, I'm not... I've got fourth at nationals. No one's looking for me to win this race. Like, Lara's the one who's the national champion. You know, she's been the one who's been performing all year. So I, like, felt no pressure. And there was, you know, even if I did get fifth or fourth or seventh or whatever, even though I'd want to be up there, it didn't matter. I mean, like, it was just, I was home, got to do a race, felt good. So I felt really good. So, A, that's awesome. B, what was the course like? Like, how did the race play out? So, the race was in Belfast, and it was put on by Glenn Kinning. He was one of the members of the Cycling Ireland team in at Valkenburg this year. So, he and Andy Lane, who was the cyclocross coordinator, decided that it would be a great idea to have a UCI race in Ireland um, so that we could, like, accumulate points and, uh, like, to, like, sort of move the scene to the next level there so it was like perfect that I could be home because my brother's getting married and so it was uh in Belfast um it was to the north of Belfast I hadn't really spent much time in Belfast my or like even in the north of Ireland as a kid because obviously it was like during the troubles and like so it was a weird experience to be in Belfast um just be, not that Belfast is weird just because it's a weird feeling for me mm-hmm. but so it was like at the Molusk playing fields. They're like soccer pitches and Irish football pitches. So actually it was really manicured. So it was like tiered football, like, you know, like a tier with like two pitches and then like down there was another tier hmm. uh, with another two and then uh, like an open area hmm. and like a parking lot. And, and so it was like not very much elevation and the elevation change was on like a, like a manicured like man-made uh slope so that yeah exactly so it would go around the field and then down and over the on this off camber there was a bunch of like tricky technical uphill and downhills and it was really fun and then there was like at the end of that there was a stairs run up so it was like up the stairs and then out and then down and there was like long stretches that were like drag race type thing but because uh, it was they had such a dry summer the even though it was raining that week and it rained actually most of the it, most of the morning it rained it was still really dry and it was actually more like an american cyclocross race hmm. so you know like we get rain and it just turns into like an inch of like greasy peanut butter mud that's that's what it was like 
it was like really slippery and like you had to be really skillful and you had to use your brain you know like you can only go so fast through certain sections because if you go into them too fast you fall which is perfect for me because like I feel like that was my biggest limiter at nationals is that it was like who can put out 450 watts for like 20 minutes and it was like nope not me because the mud is so deep at that that point my legs are so tiny (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're so strong (laughs) I have no butt (laughs) I was waiting I was like waiting waiting for you to get there that's the real limiter here the real limiter is the lack of any apparent glute glutimus maximus where is this coming from what the uh, the flat butt part? Oh, yeah. or, have you like not noticed before? Com- I feel like it's suddenly coming up. Yeah, it comes up a lot. I've never lately, in the past twenty four hours. Uh, well, that photo that I took uh, so when I got her my new kit, those photos I like. Have you seen them? I looked at the yeah. kit. I would... uh, uh, no, because I did a. You must have missed this. I posted there was a. Let's here's here. a photo. Let's pull it up. This is going to be cut from the pod. We're no, gonna we're gonna put this in the front page of the pod. Just a picture of my. This is the content. This is that... the picture that I sent to Daphne. I was like, Jesus, how can one person have such lack of butt? I think that's the angle. It's the angle. No, it's not. That's though. not a that's non the kind of, That's the way you would pose if you were trying to make your butt look smaller. Uh, you know, there is reverse butt. Someone said. No uh, someone commented on my Instagram story when I posted this. Like, you gotta pop that hip. <laughs> <laughs> So, it may be true. <laughs> you need to take some tips from Instagram. <laughs> okay, when you zoom Honestly, in like that, when you, you zoom in like that, it, it looks like an inverted butt. It does look like an inverted butt. It's the fabric of your new skin suit. It's like you can see, if if you're wearing a compression skin suit and it has like folds in it, you know you have no butt. Listen, Podium Wear needs to potentially reevaluate the way that they design their like butt just for me of their skin set. no she's at the very suit. end of the bell curve like everybody else is <laughs> ironically the bell curve section is where it flattens off <laughs> I will say that the butt is 100% in the angle of it is in the eye of the butt holder <laughs> I'm so funny and that's why you're in the podcasting business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For lines like that, please listen to the call-up. Yeah. Anyway, the race was awesome, and uh, it went really well for me. Good. Yeah. That... I, like, pretty much had a disaster of a start. I started the race. I crashed in the first corner. It was awesome. Really? Oh, like, fretted it. Like, totally just washed out. I put the power down before I got out of the corner, you know, and you're, you know, when it kicks your back wheel out, yeah, you just split out. Drive side yeah. as well. So my shifting was actually messed up for the entire rest of the race. You didn't bring two bikes. Obviously. No, I had one bike, and I had immediately busted my shifter. And then, so I was like, "Great start!" I literally said that when I remounted. I was like, "Well, this is a great start." How many people were in the field? Twenty-four. Wow, which is really good. And uh, well. It was lucky because it was like a barrier straight after that, that like maybe like 500 yards down. And so we came through the barriers and I was like maybe 10th or 8th and I moved up to like 5th and then we went around through the start finish and there was a slight technical uphill and I was like moving into like 3rd, 4th and then as soon as we got to the technical uphill I like went to the front to just get out of the way because I knew it was going to be a clusterfuck and pretty much from then on I had a gap. Hmm. So I got through clean and Lara had to dismount and run, and then the rest of the field all like smashed into each other, and there was like crashes, 
And then it was like panic mode. I was like, do I go now? Like I sort of like went hard enough to keep the gap, but like was expecting Lara to come back on me or Michelle mm. Gagan, who was in third. And uh, it pretty much, I gave it like a half lap and I was like, I guess I gotta go. And then, so I went for really hard for like two laps. Damn. Yeah, it was it was like scary because I was like it's just like the whole time I was like my shifter's gonna break the bike's gonna break I could crash again and my shifting won't work or Lara's gonna come back she's gonna have a second wind and it was just very yeah I mean like it felt awesome it like my coach Jen has said before like she her husband described like a really good day as like a no chain day it's like you feel like you're going so hard that you like you don't even have you know you just like feels like there's no chain there it's so smooth that's what i feel like it was like no chain day how often does that happen i don't know once like once, once in a once time <laughs> once in a lifetime so when you rolled across the line i mean what, what were you thinking like what was the gap what? also it was pretty big yeah it was like two minutes and eight seconds <laughs> yeah it was pretty good that must have felt so good i mean it just felt really really great to like put together a good race and like finally not like i have to be careful like you have to be careful with like finally i got the win or whatever because like no one deserves it doesn't matter how much work you put in you don't deserve to win a race unless you know you're, you're there and you win the race but it's that's a hard thing because uh, like i feel like a lot of people feel like they deserve to win after you know getting a podium or whatever it's like well cycling doesn't really owe you that yeah it's no. like it could never happen and if you think that it, you deserve it, you might get, like, feeling bitter or, like, right. that if you keep at it, you will never get there. And it's, like, that's really not the point. It's, like, the process or whatever. Okay. Wait, so now we jingle. Oh, yeah, jingle. Amazing race. Fantastic. What did Obvi Sophie say about it? Okay, so the fun one of the funniest things that Sophie said was someone asked at the end of the Q&A about pre-riding sort of like there was all kind of a question about how she figures out you know in this situation where there's so many excellent racers mm -hmm. in her field like how do you figure out what lines blah, blah, blah. it was somebody who had talked to her during her pre-ride oh, right. okay, and this sorry. and the person in the audience was like hey i was asking you a question when we were interrupted while you were getting ready to pre-ride or like while you were at a corner um and i was wondering like i can't remember what the actual question was but it was something about like what lot how you decide what line to take on a pre-ride or something like that yeah and she was saying that she was at the bottom of um you know, Mount Crumpet, I believe, right? And she was like, or yeah, normally at the top. And normally in a pre-ride with the, these, with this type of field, everyone doesn't want anyone else on their wheel. So, but you want to be on all the really good people's wheels, like Katie's wheel or Mar Mariana's wheel or whoever. And so it's always a weird thing during pre-rides because everyone's turning pre-ride, but or no Maria. one is- Yeah, I'm sorry, interruption. Sorry, or or my Maria, Maria Larkin. <laughs> Yes, she did. That's what she said first. But okay, okay, okay. I wasn't there. Yeah, That's fine. Just, we mostly just talked about you. Okay, so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't listened yet. I'm excited to hear you guys talk about me. Yeah. Because she was like, it was really lucky because everyone else went, and then me and Katie just stood at the top and waited and watched everyone go down. Or what was it? She was talking about how it's sort of like there's a competitive advantage and there's certain people you want to see what line they're going to take and there's some certain people you want to hide your line from so she was talking about like i don't want this person to be That's on my wheel but i definitely want to see i want to try and see what line certain girls are taking and it was really interesting to hear her say that because I, I don't think that that's what the question was like asking about ask, you know like yeah 
and it, it was a surprise to me to hear I didn't I wouldn't have thought that was like a you know at the forefront of her mind on a pre-ride well my assumption is that all of these women are so technically proficient and skilled that like they're not trying to keep any secrets like everyone's gonna have the right line mm, exactly mm, mm. like they're all gonna take the right line oh I feel like I feel like uh, that's one of the things that I noticed about Katie Antonow is that I think that they and I think this was like a holdover from Tim Johnson uh, is like they and also Stephen Hyde is that they always practice taking the shittiest lines <laughs> because in a race you never get a choice over what line you get on the first lap for example and uh, a lot of the time like you can see people make mistakes when they're forced off of the line that they've practiced on and so like the whole Cannondale cyclocross crew spend a lot of time riding like the shittier lines or lines that you wouldn't necessarily expect mm. and that actually is a great advantage to them because like you can actually see Katie go around people on shitty lines with better speed because she's comfortable doing that right. uh, so like for uh, I wouldn't I would expect them all to be taking like slightly different lines or like coming in you know and definitely tactically trying to protect like I probably the more more so like in downhill like Rachel Atherton yeah. doesn't want you know Tanny Seagrave to see what line she's taking or vice versa. There's that more more margin for error yeah. in downhill yeah. than for cross. But there's know? like there's like certain lines that you can take that are just complete. There's so many lines in downhill. Yeah, you know different sections through woods or whatever. Yeah. It's like I feel like that's the way that Rachel Atherton like totally dominated in the last two World Cup that she raced against Tani where she put like 10 seconds into her in the last two races because she like rode like a way that she was going to ride in the in the qualification and then rode a totally different race in the and like way faster amazing in the fucking finals I was just watching a real sports with Brian Gumbel where they documented a like an OSU or some like Oklahoma versus Texas game in the 80s where one of the offensive coaches this is like I'm, i don't know anything about football but you know there's like a play sheet where you know there's like a bunch there's of there's like a ball you know there's a ball but basically the <laughs> offensive, offensive coach has like a a series of plays that he writes down on a sheet that he's mm-hmm. going to call in the game and during their practice at before a big game he created 40 different fake plays and wrote them down on a sheet and then had the qb while he was heading into the locker room after the practice Stuff, pretend to stuff it down into his pants and then drop it. Oh my god. And they, the other team like picked it up and like thought it was too real to not be real. And uh, they lost the game spectacularly and it was like a historic... Anyway, Incredible. I just this episode. Wow. Yeah. What is this show? Real, real sports. sports. It's, it's like, like HBO. HBO. Mm, I have HBO. Mm. You would like it. Yeah, it. They do so good. good. Pause while I open this. So anyways, yeah, sorry. So he was talking about Jingle, and you were gonna, you had some anecdote that you were gonna share that she said about her race. Oh well, she was talking about how to to her when she was documenting her first lap in that race. You know, the coming down Mount Crumpet, she pointed to her experience in the pre ride as like I saw all of them. I took I you know, some people ran and then everybody tried to ride it and just ate it, Uh, and that created a real advantage for her. And a couple others um, that really define the rest of the race. Because she likes running. She thinks... You know, oh, yeah. She's, she's a really she's good a runner. runner. Yeah. Good runner. So she was like, you know, I didn't really need to worry that much about those lines because we were all going to end up running anyways. That's it. So in that race, Voss was out front. And Katie and Sophie were sort of chasing. And then Katie sort of outclimbed everyone and, 
overtook Voss. And did Voss have a mechanical crash or something? No. It was, like, Evie Richards, like, Katie essentially made a move on lap two where Voss might have crashed at some point, but it wasn't. There was, that's right. She crashed on the downhill before the finish. And it wasn't on camera because they, that, yeah, the crazy, one. so when you, you ran up to the top and you remounted and you came down, there wasn't really a camera in that section. That and downhill. so Mariana Voss crashed uh, because they were like saying how she had mud on her jersey and then all of a sudden Katie had a gap and so Katie just went for it and then Evie was charging the entire mm-hmm. race. Like, it was amazing to me to watch Evie's last lap because it was essentially the three of them, Voss, Sophie, yeah, Evie. And they were all pretty evenly, they were together for quite a while. And then the second half, after they went over the flyover in the last lap, Evie just like, wasn't even that she turned something on. She like went to a different place where she was riding outside of herself, where she was like stumbling. Oh yeah. Like like, down the Mount Crumpet, she looked like she was going to fall. Like it was uh, the whole time. Yeah. Crazy. It's pretty amazing to watch. Her, what type of racer she is. I feel is. like that's like very similar to the way that she rode when she won Namur last year. Where, like, it's funny, like, you see someone race with such, like, uh, energy or, like, just, she she just looks like she has so much smashing or ability or, like, she's just, like, it's like she's never raced before, you know, like, the way <laughs> that is- this is it. Like, it's how you feel when you're racing, but you never look that it's way. Yeah, you're, like, look like you're, like, yeah. about to bar for right. a... But she just looks like she's, like, going, like, 120%, whereas, like, everyone else looks really powerful and strong, but, like, they don't look like they're, like, this is the last race they may ever race. Yeah. She was like that That's at track, too. Yeah. Like, even though, obviously, the focus wasn't on her at track, like, mm. she, those last couple laps, yeah, you could tell she was in that. It's almost like, because she's a mountain biker, that she gets better over the course of the hour, and then if the race were two laps longer or one lap longer, she'd be, you know... Dropping yeah. everyone by yeah. like six minutes by the end of the the next lap, but it just ends just like that little bit too soon. Right. Hmm. It's interesting. But you know, Sophie talked about. I mean, she obviously, to your point, they're all going into a place that is, you know, what Evie looks like when she's racing. Yeah. Right. Like Sophie threw up in the finish after she sprinted. You know? She boss. Like they yeah, which was I mean that was I didn't even notice. It wasn't yeah. something that I had notice but you know it's like the, they're all in that place i have a very distinct memory of jingle cross lat two years ago maybe when katie compton won and then katie antino and caroline manee came down to a sprint and like i had gotten pulled and i went to the end to like watch the end watch the end of the sprint and like i remember like katie and Caroline finished their sprint and were pulled off to the side out of the barrier and they both fell on the ground on top of each other like and I remember thinking like that's how I felt when I started racing cross like when I was a cat five and I was riding or cat four riding so far outside of my fitness zone that I was like you know would barf in my mouth right or like like almost like pass out yeah it's like the ability to do that when you get smarter at racing goes away but maybe like that's the next step is that you go back to that like sort of riding where you're like ride so hard that your fitness is just or that you ride outside of yourself like harder than you should go and then you have to vomit or fall down i just i haven't gotten back to that stage yet again that's so interesting that like there that there there is a point where you've trained to the 
greatest extent of your fitness that you're able to. Yeah. But somehow you're able to push yourself into that place where when you were just a beginner racer with no training, you know, like whatever VO2, like whatever. Your VO2 like, sucked. Like, <laughs> you didn't have that, like. But you remember that too, right? Of course, oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. And that's what I love about cross is like that feeling of being. You can get that on road too, though. Oh, yeah. It doesn't happen as often, but especially if, around here. But but it's with the added element of like stumbling over things and. Yeah. Having to be yeah. mentally engaged with, like, the course, you know? Yeah. That is a... I mean... There's very few races in my life that I remember afterwards where it was, like... I'm going to... Not that I'm not going to barf, because I feel like during races I have gone so hard that I could barf. But I really feel like when I was a cat four, like, I used to go through this phase where, like, I thought I had some, like, problem with, like, phlegm or my chest. Because yeah. I think it's because I was so unfit and I was going so hard that it would, like, generate, like... Like mucus stuff. yeah and so during the race i would choke on that at some point i was like it's gonna happen and then i for like 10 seconds or 20 seconds after that point i would like have no power and i was like just waiting for it to happen every time like Ooh. but you haven't felt that since no like so <laughs> but i think it's because i'm fitter <laughs> right right but like you're trained yeah. right like you're used you're you're used to your heart rate yeah. getting that high yeah maybe it's like your body's adapted to your heart rate being so fucking high Maybe it's your your mind adjusts, you know, to your limits. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily that you're not going that hard. It's just that your perception of well, you're going harder because you're actually faster. Right. Yeah. But that feeling of being outside of what your perception of the race is, you know. I think the I think the time that that really did feel like that when I was better better more experienced like when Sydney and I went toe to toe at Montrose that year. That was like I went so fucking hard to stay with her and that was like one of those ones where like afterwards I like wanted to lie on the ground but I mean what Kelsey what's your version of that oh gosh or again um there have been a couple like basically any any crit where you've gotten a breakaway oh god yeah and it's only a couple people. Although, I've, all, of all the breakaways I've ever been... Like, I tweeted this this year. I was like... Uh, you're like, I always want to get in a breakaway. Yeah. And then as soon as you do, you're like, why would anyone fucking do this? This, this is awful. Awful. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, thank God, when you get caught. And then you're like, someone goes again. You're like, guys, come on. <laughs> I would have done it. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> that was my idea. <laughs> Nobody wanted to help me. But you have a specific one. A couple. This year you were in a... Well, there there have been a Long couple break. this year. There was one, but anyways, that's not important. But it's a little different in road because you don't have to think as much. You know what I mean? Like with cross, if you're at that point and you are trying to do technical downhills or technical technical anything, right? Like any kind of hand-eye coordination that <laughs> d- doesn't just involve like going absolutely full, like zone six. Mm-hmm. Like you. You can't be going that hard. Your heart rate can't be but that I f- high. No, but I feel like in cross you can go so, like, I feel it's like the opposite. Because, like, in road you have to be able to hold a straight line in a way that you don't have to in cross. Mm. So if you go, you, I, you can push your heart rate so high in cross. And it's such a high intensity, like, short efforts that it pushes your heart rate to that level. Whereas for me, in road, you have to keep it within, like, a certain level so you're not dangerous. But I'm talking about when you're in a breakaway with, like, two other people. Yeah. You know, like, in that case, people are just a mess. You know, like, people aren't thinking. Maybe I haven't been in the right kind of breakaway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I'm also, 
I'm a much lower level racer than no, 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 but but, tr- no, but truly, like no. you're racing in the elite pro race, like crits, and you're in a group of forty or fifty people, or sometimes seventy. You know, like it's different. Yeah, but I think the, I think fundamentally, there it's the same. But like, I feel like I have not. I'm not really well. I would like to be a breakaway rider, but. And, like, that's definitely, like, if I were to do anything, it would be getting a breakaway because I'm not strong enough to, like, because the level is so high in a sprint that you're, like, there's, like, two people. Yeah, yeah, who can win that race. So, like, I'm, like, ah, come on, let's go and breakaway. And as soon as I'm there, I'm, like, fuck my life. I I made a terrible mistake. And it lasts for 30 seconds. (laughs) Uh, That actually, speaking of barf moments, it's, like, at Elmhurst this year, I got in a sort of a breakaway with like maybe three or four laps to go, or maybe I'm oh I remember that, but I oh I Jen my coach and teammate led me out for a sprint. I won a preem, and then it would turned into a sort of a breakaway, and I was like, oh god, <laughs> and I remember like being like, if you get dropped from this breakaway. It's still like you're the worst person on earth, and like you're, like you're trying just to shame, shame on it. the team, and you just shame yourself into staying in it. And it's yeah. like that's the, that was the hardest I went all summer. I would say that almost mm. yeah, it was crazy. Um, Annika, what's your memory of your hardest? Like you, you've never thrown up or anything like that. The only I time never I've almost ever thrown up is after my first cross race ever at Caldwell Woods four years ago. I got done and was so out of it that uh, yeah, I just remember standing there with our mom and like feeling like I was going to throw up. It was also really, really hot that day. Yeah. But I just love, I, what I love, I don't feel like I'm ever going to throw up, but I just love the feeling of like being chased, you know? That like, for me, that's the, the panic. biggest motivation. Oh, yeah. panic. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like where that, you know, like lizard brain, you know, like lower level exactly. sort of like fight or flight, you know, where you feel like exactly. you're being chased and probably some kind of like evolutionary, like, thing kicks in exactly like you access a deeper level of is that the look in your eye that we see in all those photos (laughs) (laughs) zombies like some 28 days later (sighs) at the end she like tries to eat someone's flesh (laughs) (laughs) well she didn't throw up but she did try and eat someone she didn't bite a bystander (laughs) gotta stay fueled (laughs) good recovery yeah exactly (laughs) Anyway, where are you the hunter or the hunty? I don't, I never I don't like to chase people. I like to get stay away. Yeah, me be too. chased. It's best feeling. But the, everyone does who likes to chase people. Some, oh, some no. people do. It's, people I, it's do. a much more the power is definitely with the chaser. Like if you're off the front of a race, no. there's like a panic of like you a it's on you to make the mistake, and that's where you optimize. No, but that you're, but you also just little. Mm-hmm every single little thing that you can do to optimize course. So that's like, for me, the sweet spot is like, you get a little bit, get a bit of gap and then you just focus on optimizing a few seconds here, a few seconds there. And it becomes like a video game that you don't think about the people behind you. You just think about like, how am I going to add split seconds to like this? And oh, I feel like know. that's so much clarity to thought. I'm just like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> like, I don't have that level. Of, I'm just like, shit. But don't you also think about like, I'm not, how I'm those, not those people, the people that you do. You're not what? Nothing. I'm just, but don't you think they're also, like, to me, the knowledge that those people are sort of, like, having their soul crushed by the fact that you keep getting further and further away is also motivation. I mm-hmm. always remind, so, when it, if, say, I am in second, I'm second, someone's first, and someone behind me, and I'm close to second, uh, sorry, start over. 
when I'm in second and someone's uh, out front and someone behind me, I think it's really funny to think about. You're like, the person in first, you're like, they're so far away. Even if they're like 10 seconds, they're so far away. And then the person in third, they're like about to catch you no matter how far back they are. If they're 20 seconds back, they're about to catch you. And it's like... You have to remember that, like, the person in first thinks that you were so fucking close. Exactly. Or, like, and flip it. You're like, out. how do I think that the person who's further behind me is closer than I am to the person in front of me? It's like, it's like a, it's like a real mind fuck. It is. It is. It's like imposter syndrome on the bike. That is a good way, yeah. Um, time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> time is a flat cyclocross course. <laughs> and that's all we have in Chicago. <laughs> so... Um, okay, what else do we want to talk about? I mean, talk a little bit about Dan Ryan Woods. Or not. <laughs> As seen from three people who watched it. Yeah, two, the two people Instagram. staring at your faces are like... So, uh, all the major takeaway that I had was that uh, it was wet and muddy and cold. Cold. Yeah, and they, um... I mean... I was personally convinced that they were going to cancel Dan Ryan because it rained so much mm. that I, it's a public park and you know how muddy that place gets even mm-hmm. with rain two days or three days before. Mm-hmm. It turns into just like a pit. It's like a lake. So I was like, oh, it's definitely going to be canceled. And then of course they didn't because I don't know anything. And I was surprised that they kept a lot of the features in the course that are typically traditionally there. I think great. the laps are really long, right? Laps are very long. Yeah. Uh, the drama came where I guess they had to make a last minute course correction before the women, the pro one, two race and took one, out one, two, three, four. Sorry. Yeah. One, two, three, four. And took out one of the downhill swoops back there. Um, but it didn't sort of like bring it up as a conversation or like, I think only the, announced it 30 seconds before. I think the main issue was like, not that they made the call to take a section out and I have my own thoughts about taking sections out, but that they left it in for the men's yep. one, two, three, and that was the bad call. And I think that the Tri-Cross Cup did deal with it really well, where they got out in front of it and they were like, yeah. look, we made a mistake, that should not have happened. Right. If we we're going to take something out for the one, two women, we're going to take it out for the one, two men. Yep. And that's the way it's going to be from now on. And I think that probably the course, uh, the race directors were faced with the decision where they have cat fours on the same course as one, twos, then you don't want anyone to get hurt, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like, the one limiter I have about the Tricross Cup is that the courses aren't hard enough. And so I would have been super bummed. Like, I would have been understanding. But then if it had gotten back in for the men, I would have been fucking... I would have lied down on that start line myself. Right over me. Chained yourself to the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't cross this picket line. No hay bale needed here. Uh, my body will be the shield for the riders. Yeah. I I was interesting that the Tri-Cross Cup did state we're not going to ever do a pro-only line, which mm-hmm. is like... I think that maybe not doing a pro-only line is one thing, but maybe doing a different course for, like, the baby juniors. Right. Uh, or possibly, like, the Cat 4 fives or 5s men and women. Like, because if you do it for the baby juniors, then you have to do it for the cat four women or cat five women. Yeah. And then you need to do it for the cat four or five men or cat five men to be equal. Because uh, there's definitely a lot of cat five guys who would just ride themselves into the ground, literally. Uh, but I do think that because we have 
such a huge amount of people who race and such a broad spectrum of ability that that's maybe the one place that Chai Cross Cup falls down is that we need better courses, yeah. better course design. Or like maybe we do need pro only sections because, you know, I, as a racer who's trying to race at UCI level, the competition is there. Like the racing is hard, uh, but the challenge of the technical is really the place where you, you look to for like more. Yeah. And I do think, you know, there's some element of, for me at least, the more experienced you become, the easier the CCC feels just because you get experience going outside to regional races, to mm-hmm. bigger courses. But it does feel to me that, not intentionally that the CCC is doing this, but the courses are, just by way of where we're racing in these parks, just have grown easier overall. And so for Dan Ryan, which is one of the true technical courses that we have in the series, I think everyone was, I agree that the CCC did a great job managing it and responding in mm-hmm. the right way and making everybody's voices heard. I think yeah. it was awesome. but. I think I understand why so many people, some people, um, were bummed. It wasn't that they felt, yeah, I think it, it, that that part is sad yeah. in the context of the rest of the series. It just sucks when, oh, well, I think part of the reason, too, is that we've all done the same courses multiple years in a row, mm-hmm. which is also a reason why it becomes easier. But, like, how many courses at the Tri-Cross Cup do you ever have to ride a section more than once in a pre-ride? Almost none. Montrose is definitely an exception. Dan Ryan Woods possibly an exception. When it's wet and slippery, any course can be difficult. Yeah. Like for example, the Pheasant Run course this year. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that technically difficult day one, but then it rained and it was very greasy and easy to fall down day two. So, it's like if we got more rain, that'd be one thing. If we had if we had more hills <laughs> and that's we should really that's the it's the train yeah I mean it's not the course designers problem no that they don't like I think triple X did a good job with uh, the relay cross race that was up in uh, oh yeah what park is that Horner Park North something was it not called not called well, the other race was they did a lot with the course it was good actually I liked it it's like if we had more off camber, that'd be great. I wish that someone would put on another race at Palos. That was used, there ever a race yeah, the that Palos was used for cross course back in the day. That was like where the first like U.S. national championship was held. Kenny LeBay will correct us on this, of course. <laughs> which which year it was and who won it? But yeah, Palos was one of the venues, and there is a ton of terrain around there. I mean, like you could have single track. You could have. I think it's like to do with park district and. Yeah. Someone look into that for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some ways it's kind of like quantity over quality. You know what I mean? There's so many races and it's such a production to put them on every weekend. Yep. You know, I'm sure there isn't a whole lot of time to like rethink what the course could be next year. Yeah. You know, like it's so much work yeah. to put on the entire CCC. There's nothing else like Well, the, the, and the issue too is that you have so many people racing and you right. have to put on a course that's accessible for everybody. Right. And that's one of the reasons that a lot of the stuff gets limited plus terrain. Right. I think that we should, you know, I don't want to criticize course designers, but like if there was some way of like, I mean, maybe there is, this is we could 
talk to the CCC. Maybe we should have Becky on from the CCC. Yeah. Becky McCrill, who was who one of the people who was behind the statement, mm-hmm. which is representation. If you have women on the board, you'll get a good response. Oh. But um, to talk about like a course designer committee, I've talked about it before, where I like, think there should be designers who design good courses should help designers who design less good courses. Love and that. That it should be something that happens early in the season. So maybe we can start for next year. We can contribute to that. Yeah, let's get Becky on here and talk about what that means. Yeah, I think it'd be like. good. Um, do you have anybody have any call-ups or call-outs? Uh, I do. I, I would like, uh, for my call-up, I would uh, say that the whole crew who organized the UCI race in Belfast, so Glenn Kinning, Kinning Cycles, uh, they did a great job. It was, you know, a team effort, uh, and everyone came out to support the race. So we had, like, there was, like, 24 women in the women's race. There was a ton of people in the men's race. I think there was probably like more than 40, because um, you're at 50. Um, and then there was two support races, uh, and there was a beginner's women's race as well. I think there was like a bunch of races throughout the day. Actually, I was in my hotel room for the most of this. But uh, it was really well attended. There was a good crowd. Um, it's made a huge difference to Irish cyclocross to have a UCI race, and like how it's helped our ranking is like. It's awesome. So that is definitely my call up for this week. Uh, what about you guys? I would call up, this is old news by now, but on the subject of Jingle Cross, um, there was a bit of a kerfuffle with the announcer, some of the mm-hmm. like, Larry Longo. Larry Longo, which like, dude. A lot anyway, has happened. A lot has happened with that. But Lindsay Knight, who races here in Chicago, um, called out this guy and did it on Instagram and on Facebook and got a lot of responses from women who also raced and were also offended by his comments. And uh, she is a, you know, educator, community organizer, is really talented at um, bringing things that are wrong to light, I think. And she did a really good job speaking to the right people. You know, she talked to, like... John Meehan from, who's like the director overall of Jingle Cross, about how to do things differently. So not just calling out this guy as an idiot and awful and sexist, but also starting to put on paper like how to do this better in the future, not just for Jingle Cross, people all over. So but that was awesome. We actually have some audio with Lindsay that we did at the Rafa event. So we can put that afterward, after this pod online too. Awesome. Awesome. It was really cool to see how much of a response there was. Yeah, and I mean, fair play to Cross Magazine for covering it, too. Yeah, like, I, I did an interview thing. with her and did an interview with John Meehan, I believe. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job, and I also, like, scrolled down ready to see just, like, an absolute... Straight to the comments. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and none of these made your comment of the week? Right, but, oh, I, well, frankly, I was really surprised how positive like there was like one asshole and a bunch of people correcting him i assume it was him it's very possible as a woman i don't know but um a lot of the comments were actually really constructive and good i was shocked Mm. i guess it's just my internet cynicism (laughs) which i know we all have but Mm -hmm. it was cool to see you got a call up uh i would call up the women's three fours somebody from union uh union cycling team was uh live streaming from dan ryan woods oh really in the um you know that little like sort of it's an uphill and 
usually it's dry, so it's easier to ride. Um, you know, it's like it goes up to the top of the mm-hmm. hill, and then you have to come down. Yeah. And That's the one through the woods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was so muddy, and so I saw so many people, so many women that I know, ride it, and ride it so quickly and so strongly. It was amazing. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was incredibly exciting to watch. I'm, so, I'm going to go back and watch this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it? it must be, I mean, I saw Misa, right? Like, everybody in the Three Fours. They wow. just looked like they were, like, just absolutely crushing it in, like, a muddy uphill, like, in the woods, raining. It's a tough, tough little... Yeah, it was, there. I don't know. I was really impressed by it. That's awesome. So. More live streaming of women's Three Four races, please. Yeah, I was glad to see it, so... Awesome. All right. Well, should we wrap up? I have one other call up. Um, it's to uh, my <laughs> eyebrow specialist that I saw on Saturday before uh, before uh, the wedding. Got my eyebrows Very waxed. Nice. I feel like that may have made the difference. I would also like say I was wearing some bling earrings uh, during the race too because I bought them for the wedding. I was like, I'm gonna get some sure. more of these. Yeah. What were they? Were they like? There's like you know a couple rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Call up, call up to my eyebrow specialist. Is that what they're called? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Your my brow, brow artist. artist. Yeah. <laughs> brow artist. Your brow technician. Those few grams made all the difference. So does that mean you're gonna wear those earrings from here on out racing? Yeah, I'm just gonna channel my inner Ellen Noble. Yeah. The chandelier. Exactly. Yeah. You know, earrings. I, I like could. it. I really like it. All right, look out for those. Look out for yourself in them, because they're so big. Really. Like mirrors. Ooh, I want to see where this weekend. weekend. Hey, what happened with uh, the peeing? Oh, yeah. Oh. So, forgot about this. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, one, uh, few people know this, but one of my goals uh, has been to be so fast that I have to pee in a cup, uh, which is not what people normally really want to do after their race. Uh, so, when I got done with the race, they didn't tell us that uh, anti-doping were going to be there testing which is great because then, you know, you don't know when you're racing. And um, so I got done and this lady came up to me and she looked really official and I was like, is it me? Is it my time? (laughs) And she was like, yes, I'm here from Sport Ireland. And I was like, and then I give her a hug and she was like, what? She's like, normally people are like not very happy to see me. I was like, finally my dream. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, it was less glamorous than... uh, because it took you know it takes like two hours <laughs> does it really take well because like if, if you thought about like how like long it takes take you to it. pee yeah. after a cross race yeah because like you're not exactly dying to go yeah so uh yeah it's no true. they were really nice it was it, she was a really sweet lady uh so uh yeah i had to i had to do a doping test so do they give you the results or is it sort of like if you don't get called back you're fine no i don't know so uh, i believe they're supposed to email uh your the cycling federation that it's held under, so that's Cycling Ireland. So hopefully, I'll get an email from Cycling Ireland. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was really, it was really funny. They were like the one with the eyebrows. <laughs> get her back here. <laughs> Those eyebrows can't be natural. <laughs> that can't be real. They're not grown in nature. <laughs> Episode, you're gonna definitely have to update us on the outcome. Well, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> I don't know when I'm gonna get it. Uh, but the other part about the the peeing test that was funny is that uh, at Montrose, 
2017 or whenever Lily, Sydney, and I were on the podium uh, last year. Uh, Sydney got tested and so did Lily. And Lily was third and I was second and Sydney was first. And I was like, what I got to do? Do you what want the sample? <laughs> I can just make one right now for you. <laughs> Why wouldn't I, I drop my own No, cup. so it's first, generally it's first and then a random selection. Okay, okay. So Lily was the randomly selected person. Lame. What I gotta do. Absolutely rude. So I was really excited when I saw the lady. I was like, yes! I've got just the thing for you. <laughs> do you need blood too? Or poop? I got him! <laughs> I'm ready! <laughs> and you, you need to come into the lab? It's really, it is kind of strange though, because as soon as that lady tells you, you can't leave her sight and it's up to you to maintain sight with her. Oh, really? Although she's really, she's, I mean, she was really good. She would like follow me around. So like, then I had to go to the podium. So she was there for that. And then I was like, do I take a drink of champagne? Because like, what, what if, if I get shows alcohol up? shows up in my pee test? Oh, that's a bummer. But I still took a sip. You did? Okay, good. Yeah. So if I, I like, get popped. <laughs> and then, so then I like felt like I should go back so they take you to like another room uh, and you like basically have to sit there until you need to pee and if you have to like you have to reach a certain level it's actually kind of a lot when they show you the cup you're like shit this is gonna take a while well because you're dehydrated after your <laughs> yeah, race yeah. and it takes a while like hours and if you drink too much water it can dilute it so it's yeah. just water and then you have to like wait even longer uh so we I like uh, and you sign in and out every time you leave the like station or whatever so uh, I stayed there for about half an hour or like 45 minutes I was like I don't gotta pee yet. so she was just like she was really nice and she was like we can go watch the men's race so we went out and watched the men's race and then like she came with me and so like I was exp- she's like not your buddy yeah she's like my new friend <laughs> were you guys like chatting Did oh yeah like- she was yeah I was explaining to her like about the racing because like she's not a cyclist necessarily oh, right. she's, she's like at- yeah oh, she's yeah. probably testing like football rugby rugby players yeah. like yeah Interesting. I yeah. didn't think think about that. Different sport. And she was, she did say she was impressed that I wasn't on my phone the whole time, but I did have to tell her that my phone just didn't work because I was, <laughs> I didn't have it on. She's like, man, so normally mature. athletes just sit down and like scroll on their phones and stuff. I was like, no, I'm just a really mature person. Did you really engage with the real? I like world. to, yeah, exactly. I want to live every second of this doping test. <laughs> Congratulations, though. Yeah, that was cool. seriously. Thank you. The first of many. Lifeline dream. Two lifeline dr- dreams f- fulfilled in one event. In one event. Yeah. That's great. I'm disappointed that we didn't get an update from Snark again, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's, she's freezing us out of medicine. Yeah. Yes. Daphne will be back on the pod next week. Promises. Brody to tell corner. me that it's a Brody joke corner. sport that I get tested. Stephanie looks like she's been having a good old time in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, she did ask me to mention that she had spent seven hours on a cross bike uh, last Sunday doing some crazy ride. Is that part of the Still climbing challenge? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Or like the last day, one of the days. She didn't really do the climbing challenge, but. All right. <sighs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll get this up on the internet. Good luck editing this one. I'm not editing. I think this one doesn't really require any editing. Oh, we're so.